Our scripture reading this morning before a lesson comes from the book of Matthew, the 26th chapter. Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 36, where it says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. So good morning. We are glad that we are able to come into the house of the Lord to worship. We are so thankful for the many that we have with us this morning. I know uh, spring break is upon us here locally, and I know we have some of our own members that are out because of that, and we have several visitors that are here perhaps because of spring break, and we're especially grateful that you are here and that you've chosen to worship with us. And if you are in visiting from us from the area, we hope that you can come back at any chance that you may have an opportunity. We're certainly grateful for everyone singing praises to God. Uh, from the first song, I thought, man, maybe we should just sing this morning because the singing has been excellent and appreciate you for participating in that. It was an encouragement to me and I hope that we have been encouraging to you as well this morning. If you wouldn't be opening your Bibles to Matthew the 26th chapter, Matthew chapter 26. It was the night of Jesus' betrayal. He had been with His disciples. He had instituted the Lord's Supper. He had been observing and keeping the Passover. And He instituted that Lord's Supper as a memorial for His death. The sacrifice that He was about to make. That He wanted His disciples to remember Him. He wanted His disciples to not forget what He was about to do. And as they go to the Garden of Gethsemane, there was a battle that was being waged that night. Not a physical battle of warfare, but there was an internal battle in Jesus. And that He was facing a great temptation. And you can see in Matthew chapter 26, and beginning at verse 36, He tells His disciples, sit here, well, I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. You see the anguish that Jesus goes through. In verse 38, my soul is deeply grieved. In Luke, the 22nd chapter, if you want to, you might bookmark Matthew chapter 26, and you might bookmark Luke chapter 22. Because in Luke's account, in Luke chapter 22, 
Luke records for us on the same at the same scene in Luke chapter 22 and verse 44 and being in agony he was praying very fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground that Jesus was grieved his soul was in agony. These are descriptions of intense emotion that Jesus was enduring. Reminded of what Isaiah the prophet said in Isaiah chapter 53. In Isaiah chapter 53, as he is you know, prophesying about three or seven hundred years before the life of Jesus. And it, he gives us a description as if he were, were sitting there at the foot of the cross. And he describes Jesus in verse 3, He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, He was despised and we did not esteem Him. We see Jesus in these descriptions of the anguish, the agony, the intense emotion and pain and sorrow that He is bearing upon Himself. And it is upon this occasion because of His anguish in Matthew chapter 26 that He prays to His Father not just once, not just twice, but three times. In Matthew chapter 26, and in verse 44, it says, And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. He prayed the same words that we so know very well. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And we might wonder, what was Jesus praying exactly? Why was He praying this prayer? Surely He knew that His life was for this moment. That He had lived His life in accordance with the will of God from a young child to this very night. He says the same thing in verse 42. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My Father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, Your will be done. In Luke's account, in Luke chapter 22, in Luke 22 and in verse 42, Father, if You are willing, remove this cup from Me, yet not My will, but Yours be done. Jesus, He is acquainted with grief. Because of the anguish and the sorrow, the turmoil, the emotional pain, the, the intensity of those emotions that He is having to embrace, that now is the hour. Now is the time for Him to go to the cross. It is the hour that He is going to be betrayed. It is the hour that He is going to be handed over as a criminal. Where His own people are going to shout, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! His disciples, who that night, as they after they had taken of the Lord's Supper and had observed the Passover, that he predicted that Peter would 
deny Him three times and Peter says, no, Lord, that's not going to happen. I'll die with you. And that wasn't going to happen. The hour was upon Jesus. And this was something that Jesus had been warning about. In Mark the 10th chapter, in Mark chapter 10, in Mark chapter 10, you have the sons of Zebedee, James and John, those two brothers, and as brothers oftentimes do, they like to compete with one another. They like to argue with one another. And they like to be praised with each other. And in Mark chapter 10, you have the sons of Zebedee, James and John. They are arguing a little bit. And they ask Jesus in verse 37, it says, They said to Him, Grant that we may sit one on your right and one on your left in your glory. Now they are looking to the glorious kingdom of God in Christ and how Jesus is going to be the king and they want a position of great exaltation. They want glory. They want honor. They want fame. They want to be right there by Jesus. They want to be the left-hand man and the right-hand man. But then Jesus says in verse 38, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? He's warning them that the drink and the cup that I'm about to bear, it's not a cup of glory. It's a cup of sorrow. It's a cup of anguish. It's a cup of deep agony. He asked them if they're ready for that. And they say we are able in verse 39. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you shall drink, and you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But that was not going to be that night in which He was betrayed. Jesus was going to go to the cross alone. Jesus was facing an intense moment without His disciples. And later on in Mark's account of Gethsemane, in Mark chapter 14, Mark, he is observing and narrating for us in Mark chapter 14, and in verse 35, he speaks about the moment in which Jesus was enduring. And he said there in verse 35, and he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began to pray that if it were possible that the hour might pass him by. And then he records the words of Jesus in verse 36. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. Now what you see according to Mark here is that the hour that Jesus was enduring is the cup that... He's praying about this cup of anguish, suffering that is going to lead to his death upon the cross. And Mark is clearly showing that the hour and the cup are the same thing. The hour that had come 
was the hour of Jesus' betrayal. In Matthew chapter 26, in Matthew chapter 26 and in verse 45, after he had prayed that third time, he comes again to his disciples. And the scripture reads in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 45, then he came to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. The hour, the cup. It was the emotional turmoil that Jesus was having to do, to endure, to accept the reality of going to the cross and accept that He was going to be betrayed by the closest companions He had had on earth for at least the past three and a half years of His ministry. The men that He had been training to teach and to preach the Gospel of the Kingdom. He was going to be betrayed. He was going to be denied. None of them were going to go to the cross with Him. And Jesus fully accepted that role of going to the cross. He knew that this was what His life had been building up to. In John, the 12th chapter. In John, the Gospel of John in chapter 12. Jesus is has entered into Jerusalem in the last week of His life. And He has gone to Jerusalem prepared to die. And He says in verse 27, Now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Do you see the conflict that is within Jesus? That He knows that this is God's plan to go to the cross and to die, to bear this cup. And He knows that asking to get out of that would be futile. It's not in God's plan. And by the time you get to John the 18th chapter, in John chapter 18, as Judas had come to him and betrayed him with a kiss. In John chapter 18 and in verse 11, as Peter had drawn that sword and struck Malchus's ear, it says in verse 11, So Jesus said to Peter, Put the sword into the sheath. The cup which the Father has given me, shall I not drink it? Jesus is resolved. In the picture that we have, He knows that this is His moment. This is the time. And it is for this reason that in Hebrews chapter 2, in Hebrews chapter 2, the Hebrew writer says, but we do see Him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering 
of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God He might taste death for everyone. Does that not just strike you as interesting that the Hebrew writer would say He tasted death? He's talking about, Jesus is praying about a cup. He knows that this cup, it involves the suffering of death, as the Hebrew writer puts it. Jesus realizes that the moment has come for Him to go to the cross. And while He knew that He had come to the earth for this very hour, and that asking the Father to save Him from the hour was not in accordance with God's plan, Jesus had been preparing for this moment. He had been teaching His disciples about this moment. And the one thing that is interesting, in Matthew chapter 26, in Matthew chapter 26 and in verse 53, as Jesus is betrayed and He has been arrested, the soldiers have come and have taken Him, Jesus says in verse 53, Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and He will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? It's interesting that Jesus, He says, I could pray to my Father and He would send And so whatever Jesus did not do there, He did not call for those angels to come and rescue Him. That's not what He was praying for in the garden. I'm not convinced that Jesus was trying to escape going to the cross. He's clearly willing to go to the cross. He knows that's the way that His Father has planned for Him. He knows that this is the moment that His life has been leading up to. He knew it would go to a cross. In Matthew the 16th chapter, in Matthew chapter 16, He talks to His disciples. And it says in Matthew chapter 16 and in verse 21, from that time Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised up on the third day. And he skipped down to verse 24. He talks about his disciples. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus knew that his life was going to go to a cross. But why would he want to go through that? Why would he want to be betrayed, beaten, humiliated, left alone by his friends, stripped of clothing, embarrassed, tortured, and killed. No sane, rational person would be eager for that kind of experience. What we see in Jesus' prayer at the garden is the beautiful picture of His humanity. That God is with us. Emmanuel, the Word that had become flesh, 
is facing sorrow. The kind of sorrow that he had never, ever experienced or felt before. Think about that. Think about that. He had never felt the intensity of that kind of emotion ever before. Realizing that his life was about to end in a very brutal way and that he was about to give his life voluntarily. He had been in the glory of heaven. He had been with his father until he was born. And now he's turning to his father for strength. Because I mentioned there is a battle that's going on here. There's a battle that he is facing. And I don't think Jesus is trying to escape the cross. He understood the cross was very necessary. But He is dealing with the emotional anguish of going to the cross, of being left alone by His friends, and not being able to be rescued from the cross. He is facing one of the greatest temptations He had ever faced. In Luke's account, in Luke chapter 22, in Luke chapter 22 and in verse 40, when the disciples come to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, He tells His disciples before He begins to pray, you see Jesus in in His beauty here. He's very selfless. He doesn't think about Himself. He thinks about His disciples. He says in verse 40, when He arrived at the place, He said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Jesus wants His disciples to pray so that they can be strengthened. And then, notice what happens in the very next verse. In verse 41, And He withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and He knelt down and began to pray. I would suggest to you that Jesus is following His own advice right here. That He needs strengthening. Because the cross was an area that Satan was always trying to use against Jesus in temptation. Going all the way back to Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, in the temptations, when Jesus is out in the wilderness, you remember in Luke chapter 4 and in verses 5, 6, and 7, it says that Satan led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall be yours. Now, don't mistake what what the devil is doing there. He's saying, Jesus, you came here. You think you have a mission to save souls, to build a kingdom. Guess what? Here it all is. It is before you right now. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. 
And then you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to die. You don't have to be killed and betrayed. Jesus answers appropriately. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Jesus doesn't give in to the temptation. But that's not going to be the only time. We mentioned in Matthew chapter 16 that Jesus begins to openly talk about His death with His disciples. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21, from that time Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. That word must. That He has to go. He realizes that's His mission. He has to go to Jerusalem. He has to suffer. He has to die. And then notice the conversation that takes place immediately after that. In verse 22, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. And then you know Jesus' words, right? Get behind me, Peter. Oh, no. What does he say? Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. That every time Satan is trying to probe Jesus, he's trying to get him to cave, he's trying to get him to back down from his mission. And there's so much wisdom in what Jesus says there. You are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. If Jesus wanted to follow the, the path of man and Satan, it's not going to the cross. But Jesus is resolved to go to the cross. Even in Matthew chapter 26, when He is praying, notice, He is praying, not My will, but Your will. Jesus is fully resolved to go to the cross. He is not caving to the pressures of Satan. And we can read in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 5, in Hebrews, the fifth chapter, and in verse 7, in the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his piety. Because of his piety, because of his godly fear, he was heard. God heard the, that prayer in the garden. And in Luke's account, in Luke chapter 22 and in verse 43, I believe we see God answer that prayer. In Luke chapter 22 and in verse 43, right after he finishes that prayer with, Not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him 
strengthening Him. Don't forget, don't miss out on this point. Jesus is being tempted. He is being tempted. Am I going to follow the path of man escaping the cross? Or am I going to go to the cross and embrace my Father's will? And He says the very thing that He should do. Your will be done. There's a battle going on. Jesus is being tempted. There's a huge lesson there for us, isn't there? That whenever we are tempted, we need to go to God in prayer. We need to pray for strength. And God will hear. In John's account, in John chapter 16, in John chapter 16, at the very end of that chapter, in verses 32 and 33, Jesus he's trying to encourage His disciples, but He also mentions Himself. He says in verse 32, Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered each to his own home and to leave Me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with Me. And he goes on and he makes personal application to the apostles. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. If Jesus can overcome the world, so can you. That's his message. That whenever tribulations come, whenever suffering comes, Jesus he trusted that God was with him even in the hour of suffering and death. He did not waver in his mission. He did not waver in his commitment. And he went to the cross accepting that the Father was with him. Even if His disciples and His companions on earth did not go with Him, even though they said they would, He went to the cross, Him and the Father. And that was enough for Jesus. Because Jesus submits to the Father's will. He accepted it. In John chapter 18 and verse 11, we already noted this verse, but when Jesus said to Peter, put the sword into the sheath, the cup which the Father has given me, shall I not drink it? And you see that Jesus is approaching death just as He lived. Just as He had always lived His life, praying. He lived His life with godly fear, with piety, being a very pious, worshipful man. And with faith. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, in the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with God, crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. 
He is fully accepting His role as the obedient Son. And He approaches death with godliness, with, with reverential fear, piety, and faith. And he's, preacher, Jesus didn't have faith. He was God. Well, in Hebrews chapter 2, the Hebrew writer does say Jesus had faith. He's In Hebrews chapter 2 and in verse 13, the Hebrew writer, he's taking several Old Testament quotations and he's taking the, those quotations and he's basically putting them in the mouth of Jesus as if Jesus were saying them. And in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 13, this is a quotation, but it's as if Jesus is saying, I will put my trust in Him, in God. Jesus went to the cross trusting God, obeying God. He was living, or He was dying as He lived. Someone who was committed to doing the will of the Father. Remember what Jesus said in John, the sixth chapter? In John chapter 6, in John chapter 6 and in verse 38, Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. That's why Jesus came. And that's why He went to the cross. He was learning obedience through the suffering, through the temptation. He was learning to trust in God. And dear friend, whenever we are facing difficult times, when we are facing our moments of struggle and our moments of weakness, when we feel the pressure that Satan puts on us to disobey, to turn away from doing God's will, to not follow what the Bible teaches, remember Jesus. Remember the prayer in the garden. Because Jesus went to the cross just as He had lived every other day of His life. He came to earth to do the Father's will. And He died to do the Father's will. You think about the Scriptures. We don't have time to reference them all, but in Luke chapter 23, Jesus prayed to God that God might forgive His enemies. Father, forgive them. I know not what they do. Whenever He is on the cross and the thief asks for Him to remember Him when He comes into His kingdom, Jesus said, that He would be with Him in paradise. In Luke chapter 23 and in verse 46, and Jesus crying out with a loud voice said, Father, into Your hands I commit My Spirit. Having said this, He breathed His last. He went to the cross fully to do the Father's plan. You remember in John chapter 19 and verse 30 when He cried out and He said, It is finished. It is finished. His life, the sum total of His life from 
young from his youth to when he's on the cross. It was about learning submission. It was about being obedient. It was about doing what God said. That's why the Apostle Paul says in the book of Philippians, in Philippians chapter 2, in Philippians the second chapter, the Apostle Paul would write this beautiful passage of Scripture about Jesus and His willingness to come to this earth. He says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You notice that? It wasn't just any kind of death that Jesus was going to die. Jesus didn't have the privilege of coming to earth and living 80 or 90 years and dying as an old man in his bed at night. Death on a cross. And why did he do it? Why? Because He obeyed the Father. He went to the cross as an obedient Son. As a servant. He took the form of a bondservant. He learned submission. That is what Jesus did for you and for me. Jesus learned obedience through His suffering. Through the pain. Through the anguish that He endured. He learned to trust in God and to obey Him fully. He prayed to God and He was heard because of His piety and His godly fear. What we learn is there is blessing and full obedience. Because Jesus was dealing with the emotions. He's wrestling with those emotions in the garden. And He was strengthened by an angel. And He went to the cross. He suffered. He had the nails driven through His hands and through His feet. He gave up, as the old King James Version says, gave up the ghost. He gave the Spirit over to God. He died. But you know what happened three days later? He arose from the dead. He defeated death sin, and Satan. And because of Jesus' sacrifice and because of His resurrection, you and I can have salvation. There is blessing and obedience. We see that in Jesus. And for you and for me, when we give our heart and our life in full submission to the will of God, there is salvation.
This morning, if you're not a Christian, we'd encourage you to become a child of God, believing in Jesus Christ as the Son of God who went to the cross and died for you, who was raised on the third day, participating in His death, joining Him in baptism. You can have your sins washed away. You can arise from the waters of baptism to walk in newness of life. If you're not a Christian, if you've never done that, won't you make that step and that commitment this morning? But maybe it is you have done that. You've been baptized, but you've not been that faithful disciple that has to carry their cross. Maybe you've given up the burden of that cross. Follow Jesus' example. Follow Jesus. He took up His cross. And He went in full submission and obedience to the Father. If you have sinned in your life as a child of God, make some corrections in your life. Repent. Come back to Him. He's merciful. He's faithful and just to forgive you if you will make things right with Him. We're here to pray with you and pray for you. If we can help you in some way this morning, would you come now as we stand and as we sing?